Hey, this is Craig Wade and Brian Allen Delaney from B Movies and Ebooks, a podcast about cult and horror films and genre fiction. You can catch new episodes on iTunes and Stitcher every Wednesday, or you can watch us live on Blab.im Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. B Movies and Ebooks. We bleed fiction. The following podcast is a B and E Network exclusive. Hey guys, uh, it is me again. You must think the end times are upon us because we have yet another episode, two in a row, can you believe it? And this one is uh, one I've been trying to set up for a while because it is one with one of my favorite people in the world, which is Mrs. Debbie Rashawn. Uh, she and I have worked together several times on stuff that I've produced and directed, Um and, uh, yeah, I've known her for a very long time. She's easily one of my best friends, one of my closest confidants. Um, that's my cat. You probably, uh, you might also hear my wife reading bedtime stories to my daughter in the background because this is, you know, the life of a 42 year old, almost 42 year old family man who is trying to make his way in the entertainment industry. On that note, um, this is kind of timely because Debbie and I kind of touch on this in the podcast, but we didn't, uh, I don't think this had ha- it happened maybe the next day, but all the Jeffrey Owens, Jeffrey uh, Owens stuff is in the news right now. And I'm, I'm happy to see that people are really kind of going in, um, what I think is the right way on that story. Like, of course he has a day job. He's a working artist. Like the, <laughs> if, for those of you that don't know, somebody took a picture of him working in Trader Joe's. I think he was at a, you know, a checker or whatever. And, uh, Jeffrey Owens was the, he was the husband on the Cosby show of Sandra, I think. Um, I didn't actually watch the show that much when I was a kid, but anyway, he's, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was on Lucifer most recently. Um, but yeah, he's got a real job. Apparently, uh, that was newsworthy and it was very much spun like, Oh, this poor guy, look how far he has fallen. But I'm happy to see a lot of people taking the opposite tack on that because the truth of the matter is you can be... I've known several people who Joe Public would think because of their visibility um, would be you know rich beyond belief. But I think it's more often the case where you're juggling several different things. I know that for a fact. I have several crazy stories like that. Debbie and I talk about that. And I've actually known, I know a bunch of people currently that actually work at Trader Joe's in the off time between either working on high-profile movie stuff or touring in bands or whatever they do. Um, I actually know, I don't want to mention this person specifically, but I know of an actor that was in a very high-profile, they were in a movie that was huge, very huge, that then became a franchise that they were in a few different, you know, installments of the franchise and they were only able to quit their regular job around the time they started their third movie in the franchise, if that makes sense. So yeah, don't get it twisted. 
Um, this is real life. People do have to work. Um, kudos to everybody that's sort of clapping back on uh, people that tried to put that poor man doing honest work down. Um, yeah, so we Debbie and I kind of touch on that. But anyway, I didn't want to go off on a tangent um, too much. But yeah, I just, uh, this talk with Debbie was a long time coming. Like I said, we've done done a lot of stuff together. We talk about a lot of it on the podcast, but we mostly touch on... Um, we talk a lot about Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which is the movie she just did with Lloyd, uh, the trauma film. Uh, that sounds pretty awesome. We also talk about a little bit about her previous directorial effort and her upcoming directorial effort, which you want to definitely listen and uh, check out what she has to say about that. Uh, we mentioned Imago. We talk a little bit about the new form that it's taking. Um, I did tell her the new title, but I went back and edited it out because I'm not ready to give that info away yet for lots of different reasons. Um, so just know that when you hear the pink noise on the podcast, that's what that is. I should cut in. Instead of cutting it out with pink noise, I should have cut in my cat meowing. Um, fair warning, Debbie and I do kind of get in, go down into uh, politics a little bit um, in case you're going to get triggered by anything like that. Uh, on either side, because I think we actually cover enough bases and rant about things that would piss just about everybody off uh, if you're easily pissed off in that way. But, you know, I don't really care. I really don't think that... I'm not one of those people that thinks that politics isn't something to not be discussed. I think that's kind of how we got to where we are now. But I think that it should be discussed, you know rationally and without digging your heels in and shaking, you know, crossing your arms and shaking your head and refusing to change, which is unfortunately is the way things go now. But anyway, we kind of talk about stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and we also, of course, because she just came off of a trauma movie and this stuff sort of happened as they were shooting the film, I think, or right around that time, we do, we do talk a little bit about the James Gunn, uh, stuff because of course she and he crossed paths, um, in their, in his, during his time at Troma, um, we talk a lot about a re, talk a lot about talk about a lot of real shit. So, which is cool because that's exactly why I wanted her on. So I won't talk too much longer, and I'll let let the episode do the talking. Um, but yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. I'm assuming that because of who Debbie is, we might have a lot of new listeners sort of checking this episode out. Um, just for those of you that are just joining us, feel free to go back in the catalog and check out some other stuff. Um, this is a podcast where I generally, I mean, the title sort of says it all, but I'm just sort of trying to encapsulate the experience of what it's like to be an indie filmmaker, um, sort of making my way through the world. The first few, the, the, a lot of them are pretty ranty because we recorded them right after we come off sets or whatever, where we get frustrated. Um, but they're not all like that, and I don't know how many more will be like that just because I'm not really feeling that so much anymore, even though I do still get those feelings. It's not something that I really, eh, you know. I don't know if I have, there's, I want to dedicate energy to other things. Uh, if you listen to some of the other podcasts, you'll probably figure out why I want to sort of redirect that energy, but because it nearly killed me, um, 
but that's a story for another podcast. But I would make some suggestions of ones you might want to check out if you're if you find yourself uh, into this one. Um, some of my favorites, uh, episode 13 with Lisa, which would be a companion to this one because Lisa and Debbie were both in Imago together. They were both in Klinger together, both things that I produced and brought them on to. Um, episode 13 with Lisa Wilcox, which is Barely Living the Dream Master. That one is a good one. Uh, probably one of my favorites. Uh, episode 16 was pretty good. The script supervising Warlock, where we talked to Tim Roble, who talks about sort of his work as a script supervisor for like, you know, HBO type stuff, but he's also an actor. So he talks about being on like extra work on NCIS and things like that. So that's a good episode. Um, uh, episode, uh, I think it's 20 with Graham, uh, Graham Skipper, good friend of mine. Uh, he's been in a ton of genre stuff. Um, check that one out. That's a good one. Episode 23, Lance Myers fever, Lance Myers, great guy, animator used to be in a couple of great bands in the Austin area. Uh, he talks about his upcoming animated project. I just had a role. I had a lot of fun doing that one. And then the last episode we did before I sort of went on an extended hiatus. Um, <laughs> uh, that one was episode 30 with Jeff Cottle. Um, I had just done a bunch of music videos for him. He used to be in a, or he is currently in a band called game face. Actually, they're about to go play in Brazil. I think this weekend at a big festival, uh, but this was for, I did music videos for his solo album he put out last year, but he also does for his day job, like I said, artists having day jobs, he works for a huge art design firm and he does lots of big time movie posters, including, um, or, or key art, like including Deadpool and all the X movies and uh, Lego movie, stuff like that. So we, we touch on that a little bit. We mostly talk about just the music and art thing, but that's a really good episode. And he's another really good friend of mine. So I recommend checking that one out. And then for something a little different, um, I actually think that aside from our, the few of the ranty things that I've done here, one of the best representations, uh, audio representations of sort of like the struggle uh, you can find on, if you check out Astro Radio Z, uh, episode 101, we they interviewed me about Witchcraft 13 because they had done a witchcraft retrospective and uh, they did they watched all the movies I think it wasn't last year I think it was a year before I just stumbled upon it or someone sent me a link and I was like hey well you know I'll talk to you guys so Derek Karyak the guy that does the podcast uh, reached out and we talked about it and it the we started at Witchcraft 13 and of course I finally sort of told that story which was pretty cathartic because it was nice to talk about after I hadn't talked about it for a while because, it, you know, it was just brutal. And if you listen to it, you'll you listen to the podcast, you'll know why. That was sort of the springboard, though. And we talked about a lot of other different things, too. So I'd highly recommend going to check out. It's Astro Radio Z, uh, episode 101, uh, where they interview me. And it's about, it's I think it's called Witchcraft 13. But check out, you know, they do, uh, I've listened to a bunch of their other episodes. They're, it's a really good, entertaining podcast. Really good guys. So I highly recommend you check that one out. Um, yeah, so without further ado, I think I will turn it over to the lovely, the wonderful Miss Debbie Rashawn. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay, cool. So Debbie, we are officially recording now. Yay. <laughs> Welcome. It's like I said just now, it's I'm so stoked to finally have you on 
on here with me. I know, and I and I'm so happy to be here. And um, I apologize, we had a lot of false starts. I was uh, working on Lloyd Kaufman's potentially last movie, Shakespeare's Shitstorm, um, and you know we wanted to get this done, and we had the the whole uh, Skype thing worked out, and. Yeah. You know how create you know how things get, especially on on those long days when you're literally covered in shit. Yes. Um, they, they were long days and they were rough days, and so it just it didn't happen until now. But now that I'm not covered in shit, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> at least at least not literal shit. Like figurative shit sometimes sticks to us, but you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, there's always a little bit of that flow. Oh yeah, around, yeah. But, um. <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was supposed to be up there that week, those two weekends because I was supposed to do a music video, or at least part of it we actually shot here, um, and then the other part we were going to shoot with the band in New York. And there's the schedules just kept changing and kept sliding around. And then I sent them. I guess the mistake I made was that I sent them a raw cut of what I had that I just shot here, and they were like. Uh, we don't need to be in it. It looks good. <laughs> so, so they oh, they nixed me coming up there. Damn. I, yeah. So I mean, you're too good. Yeah, I know. You I need to. I need to start. Back. You gotta steal it. Back. I need to start phoning it in. I need to start phoning it in. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to phone it in. Listen, people think you're too good. They'll just they'll either um you know not approach you because they think you're ungettable. Yeah. Or they will do something like that and, and cut the uh, traveling short because you're you're able to totally cover it for them. Got to be careful of that, Mel. What did I tell you the first day I met you? I know. I should. Tail it back. <laughs> Don't. Will I never give learn? Give nine. Give nine. Don't give ten. <laughs> and, and this is why. Oh, well. And this is why you're one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, um, I mean, God, man, there's so much to talk about. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, what? Well, I, I could. Okay, go ahead. I was going to say I could tell you about the experience I just come off of. Yeah, I was actually going to say that since you mentioned it, and that's the most recent thing. Yeah, tell me about. T- tell us a little bit, bit, a little bit more about Shitstorm, please. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, it's really really amazing, and I'll just start off by saying this. Um, Okay, the reason why I say potentially Lloyd's last movie is because for all intents and purposes, it is. Um, it's certainly the last movie that he planned on directing and certainly without any doubt, the last movie that he will use his own money for. Uh-huh. Now, with that said, we have the, the amazing guys who were you know producing it that in the past they'd worked in the trauma office, but now they're you know, producing uh, movies and stuff. And they have a really tight Toxie 5 script that they, they really want him to do. And so he's, he will direct that, but they have to raise the money. For the past few movies, Lloyd has used him and his wife's money, personal money, right, um, to make the movie. And that's like $300,000 yeah. a pop. And so, you know, at some point it cuts into the retirement and your grandchildren. Right. And <laughs> so, so, like, if these guys can raise and Lloyd wants 800000 he wants to do it right. So, you know, if they can raise that, which is not certainly not impossible, then, you know, I could 
easily see him directing again. And with that said, seeing it's, he's not using his money anymore, period, that, that there's a good chance that this could be his last movie. Now, um, it's, yeah, based on Shakespeare's The Tempest play. Uh-huh. And, um, and, you know, that's very symbolic for him because it's, it's, you know, he hasn't done Shakespeare since Romeo and Juliet. And he always wanted to, it to be his last movie in a lot of ways, he said to me, because it was Shakespeare's last play, The Tempest. So, you know, you have all these tie-ins and stuff, and while nothing's etched in stone, there's a lot of reasons why it came about this way. Um, so the cool thing about this movie, there's, there's so many things you want to say that are very, very funny, but the super cool thing about this movie is that it deals with, his movies always deal with timely stuff. Like, you know, they always have something to say. No matter how silly or big or slapstick, they always have something to say. But this is, it's so insanely timely yeah. that I just, I, I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. And I was just like, oh my God, I wish we could just somehow trans thing immediately out there into the stratosphere because it deals with the um, social justice warriors, the, um, the not the good picketing, but the ridiculous stuff that goes on. Yeah. Um, not all of the, 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 not all of the groups that are actually doing good things, but all of the people who are outraged just because somebody's breathing, it offends them. Right. This is what the movie is all about. And so that's why in the movie, the big pharma company has created this drug called Safe Spatia. So <laughs> that all of the, all of the people can take it and have their protected, you know, dome of reality where no matter what anybody says, you know, they're not offended by the smallest word or comment by anybody. Um, and so it goes and it goes from there. But Lloyd plays a brother and sister, both parts. And <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, oh, my. And I got to say, of all the times I've worked with Lloyd, and yeah, okay, granted, um, his wife Pat was there and, and all this other stuff, yes. But I have to say, the dress does wonders, seriously. He was the calmest I have ever seen the man. It's like an Ed Wood thing. All over again, he was completely at, comfortable at home and gentle. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. It, 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 it was amazing. It was fantastic. And, you know, I really wasn't there when he was playing the brother, who is Prospero, um, because all of my scenes are with him as a woman, Antoinette, because we're sort of co-conspirators uh-huh. um, in, the, in the show. And, you know, so all of my scenes were with him as a woman. And... Um, so yeah, it was just it was really, really it was amazing, and it's like I could see it with my own eyes, like the Ed Wood experience. It was rather fascinating. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Maybe that's um, you know maybe this is the beginning of his uh, third act. Like that's where he needs to head. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 
I think I think so. That's what the future. I holds. think so, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw. I'm gonna start dressing like a man, perhaps. I don't know, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, go for yeah, sure. I let's do it. I'm gonna write something based on that right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. So yep. I, I was, uh, no, absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, I was I, obviously I was seeing you both, you know, watching the pictures go up, you know, as you guys were shooting and like a lot of the, uh, just everything just seems to be like the effects were pretty awesome and weird and gross. Like trauma's kind of always been known for that, but like these were even like they were they were into that like screaming mad George territory. You know what I mean? Like this real some of it was really totally re- weird, surreal, you know, just like crazy you know, brain melting stuff. So it got me super excited. So I like, I really, that plus Lloyd and address plus Shakespeare. Like, I just can't wait. I mean, I love Tromeo. <laughs> I, I love, I love Tromeo and Juliet. So like, I can only imagine, you know, what's going to come from this. Um, were you there for the entire, were you there for the entire shoot for the most part? I was almost except for uh, one week. So in other words, I was there more than four weeks, but um, I left, I wrapped about three or four days before they were done. And then they're doing like three pickup days in September because of a location. Gotcha. Uh, so all usually his movies are anywhere between four and five weeks. So this was definitely a five weeker. And uh, so, yeah, just missing a week of it. But um, and, and of course, in, in Scandinavia, um, I believe it was Scandinavia anyway, I wasn't there, but they did a little bit of shooting there just so oh, they can wow. get uh, the part of the, the boat, because uh, the boat sinks from whale shit. That's what's <laughs> happened. It, because, because Prospero, you know, and believe me, I'm not giving this away. There's so much to this movie, as you can well imagine. But he has um, actually injected the whales, or got into the whales, this, this diarrhea medication. And so when they go by the boat, which is sort of this cruise boat for Safe Spatia, the big pharma lobbyists, right? Uh, it just kind of like lets they all, the whole school of them, I think they're called a school, um, sort of just dump out on this boat and just, that sinks it you know the whale bloom is just you know just <laughs> comes in through the pipes just it's like as you could imagine in a trauma movie right it's just gonna, right. not going to be a few drips it's going to be like a full-blown pipe action right in your face and yeah that's exactly what it was so fantastic um so so yeah they, they did anyway not not all the uh the boat sinking and stuff but uh but just the the um, the part with the, the real actual captain, and there was a, two characters from the movie on the on the uh, boat, and they're you know they have a little bit of dialogue, so they actually went over there and, and shot that like with this uh, the captain, and um, it was yeah pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Wow. So, what what character do you play in the film? Okay, she is uh, Senator Sebastian. So obviously, a uh, horrible lobbyist senator who's easily bought and sold. I mean, just ridic- ridiculously so. Um, before prior to this shitstorm, 
Um, she's, you know, got her face full of cocaine and, and drinking and just partying like a, a crazy woman because they're celebrating the, uh, the scam, which is known as Safe Spatia, even though while it works, you know, it, it's certainly overpriced and all these other things. Then once the shitstorm happens and then we, we end up in Tromaville, New Jersey, because we crash on the shore uh, of Tromaville, and then we go into um, this club called Prospero's Retreat, which is a play on Plato's Retreat, which was a swinging club in New York City many years ago. Um, and we get, you know, change our, our out, co- our, not our costumes, but our outfits, uh, so that we're culturally appropriated. <laughs> so now I'm dressed as, dressed as a Mexican man, and everybody's got like their own appropriation going on, right? So it's absolutely, absolutely, ridiculously hilarious. And um, then, of course, my character goes on, we're plotting to kill our boss because we want more of the returns ourselves, uh, Lloyd and I, and um, at every turn we fail. There's many other plot lines going on on at the same time. Um, But then we start doing this new drug called Tempest. And it's it looks like cocaine, but it's green. And <laughs> ultimately, that was our downfall because that was uh, Prospero's uh, trick, if you will, because uh-huh. he knew his sister Antoinette and everybody would end up there. And he had planned the whole thing. And, you know, he pops out of the woodwork at the end to tell everybody how he warned them all. And pretty much he's saying what Lloyd has said all along. It's just basically a really amazingly written Lloyd monologue, you know, like nobody can even wipe their ass without, you know, checking with five different, you know, protective groups to see if it's okay, not offensive. And uh, so, yeah, it's really, but it's really good. And it's so much more than that. There's just a uh, boatload, literally in this case, (laughs) of, of incredibly talented people. Uh, We have the special effects people, um, that are just they came out from LA and they were just really phenomenal and and then we have some of the the great classic people like uh, Doug Sackman and and Zach um, uh, Amico and whole bunch uh, a whole bunch of great people and a great new DP that it looks fantastic I mean really he, he did a, a an amazing job with the look of it very different look very yeah different. yeah the stuff I I saw was really like obviously trauma, but not, it looked different than, you know what I mean? Like it was just sort of like a different color of the palette, I guess not, not literally necessarily, but you could just tell it was, it was approached with a different eye and uh, it looked really, cool. yep. it looked really cool. It just, it'd be nice. It's, you know, it'd be nice to sort of add that to the, to the catalog. Like we've got these and we've also got this thing that looks like this. So I think that, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Because, you know, you know, Lloyd, he, he loves his, his stuff and he loves it to look a certain way that yep. he likes. Yep. And um, I think with this, he was just, and maybe it was the dress again, but, you know, he was very, um, you know, while he would put his foot down, you know, very strongly, if it was something he felt strongly about, of course. Right. But at the same time, he was willing to collaborate very much with his DP and, you know, listen, definitely listen to him. Um, so yeah, it's going to have like a, of 
a very different vibe. And then especially coming on, on the heels, like literally we started shooting maybe, I want to say it was like just a, a few days, uh, maybe a couple of weeks before everything happened to James Gunn. I was just about to mention so, that, like how I was wondering how the timing lined up for, for those oh, people that don't know, great. like, you, you know, he's a, he's a trauma guy essentially, or started out that way. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh yeah, and um, he and it's it's amazing to this day that just you know the people are just not going to change their minds right. if they feel one way they feel one way and if they feel the other way they feel the other way. For me, I I completely I'm not playing any middle because I'll tell you right now, I think the whole thing is absolutely fucking retarded, yeah. like totally retarded. Am I biased? Sure I am, because my aesthetics are not all that different. I mean, we're all different, but I get it. I get, you know, where he's come from and and all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you something. Yeah, some of of the jokes were really, really strong for being a public forum. But are they really? Like, no, I haven't done pedophilia jokes in private. But I have my own bad taste joke right. that I do in private. I think we all do. I think yeah. we can all agree on that if we're being honest. Yeah. And the, his mistake was doing it in a public forum, thinking it didn't matter, like the old, you know, forum, literal forum exactly. days, right? Exactly, right. Where you could write on a board and whatever. But. Okay, so that's one part of it. And then from what I've heard, some people were like on the fence until these photos emerged. Oh, my God. And I looked at the photos, and they're just pictures of, of adults dressing up in silly get-ups. Yeah. It was supposed to be this, what, pedophilia-themed party? But I don't even know if it was really actually that. It wasn't it, – there was nothing in it. There was a – a girl that was sucking her thumb and she was about 30 and like, you know, he was in a suit or whatever. It's not like they were in some strange pose. I mean, really, you should have seen some of the retarded costumes I've put on and movies I've done. Yeah. I mean, my God, it's like, it's craziness. And anyway, we won't get stuck in the mire in that, but just, just so that it's, it's very, very clear I'm not going to change anybody's mind. Nobody will change each other's mind because nobody's mind, nobody's willing to have their mind changed, right? Right. So exactly. I will just say that I do not think that there's anybody walking the earth any better than him as far as all this stuff goes. And you know, and that and that's it. I think the whole thing is insanely retarded, really stupid, pathetic. And should never have gone down this way. And it just goes to show the mob with torches mentality. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. And that's ironically, again, what this movie's about. So it just made me shake my head. The timing of it all was, was it was just kind of, you know, it, well, certainly jaw-dropping. And, you know, yeah, it, so it just made me think even more how important this movie was because this is exactly what it's deal- dealing with. Not James Gunn exactly. it's dealing with yeah. the silly, silly outrage 
from from any extreme, not just one side or the other side, just any extreme that just will not open open your mind and listen and be so big and a real human being, not two dimensional like on social media or the internet. Be a real three dimensional human being and have the possibility of ha- having your mind change right. or be influenced, but with information. You know. Anyway, that's my rant. No, I totally agree. And ironically, it's it's the it's the rant of the the movie too, so right. it kind of fits. Yeah, perfect. We need we definitely need more of that. <laughs> you have uh, yeah. You have you have dual. I feel you have dual citizenship now, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have for many years. Back where we left off, more or less. So I had asked okay. you. I had asked you if you wanted to be president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> or if you wanted to run, because I, I liked very much what you were saying, and I agreed wholeheartedly. Um, I, you know, I would at first I would say, well, I can't because I was born in the U.S. But second, I would say I can't because of the the um, interesting movies that I've done. Not yeah. not bad, but interesting, like real independent films, like yeah. you know, not not Hollywood stuff. So, I mean, that would be held against me. But then I look at the current president and nothing's held against him. Right, right. But I don't know how for, for how much longer. <laughs> so yeah, we may have to TikTok. revisit that. That, um, but You know what? You know why we want to do it? Because there's, there's you, know, you want to talk about the mire and, and muck, like all the stuff you got to get through to... Even make a movie, right? Can right. you imagine that on the scale of running the United States as opposed to a film set? Not, no, no. <laughs> totally, totally. Not, not even close. Yeah. I mean, one thing's for sure. You know, the children wouldn't be sitting there, parentless, and a million other things. You know, we could just we could go on and on. But yeah. um, I, I, I wouldn't want it, and I think people you have to be kind of crazy to want it but you know i really did i really did like obama and i liked a lot of the things that he did and he didn't scare me about embracing you know what worked in in socialist countries like canada um you know you know with the healthcare stuff and you know, I just think everybody does deserve it. And, and um, I don't know. I don't think he was so outrageous. And I think he, he, you know, looking back, I could cry if I see clips of him being the way he is and kind and presidential. Oh, dude, and I tell think, me about it. What, if, where, what is happening? <laughs> come back. Yeah. Please I'm, I'm, come I'm, back. I'm glad you brought up the healthcare thing because I always, I use you in, as an example quite often um, where, you know, yeah. someone will bring, you know, they'll mention, like, oh, Obama fucking socialist, you know, he's trying to socialize healthcare, doesn't work, you know, people die. And I'm like, I know somebody that is alive purely because of that healthcare system. You know what I mean? Like, just absolutely true. Yeah. You know, and when you were telling us in the past about how much it would have cost had you been over here, uh, it was blowing my mind, dude. You know, and I just can't imagine. It freaks me the fuck out to think about any of us getting sick and not having insurance. Fortunately, Melanie has really good insurance, but. 
you know, it's it, even yeah. with, even with that, it's brutal. I think we're still paying for the delivery of our six year old child. You know. Yeah, and that and that sadly, very sadly, doesn't surprise me. And you know, yeah, I mean, I can talk about myself, and I'm sure you could talk about um, you guys' situation because you've had a child. Yeah. And to me, it, it's basically all of these things are just making, you know, why do I can't believe we're, we're going so deep into politics. But you know what? This is the reality. You know, having a house and a, and a child, is it just seems like such a fantasy, not a reality for yeah. the average person. Yeah. And that's that's the crime. That's what where we've gone way down a rabbit hole. And, you know, I had my uh brain tumor surgery in New York and I had an amazing surgeon and I had fantastic medical. As soon as I had it, they dropped me. Oh, and wow. then all of a sudden I have a pre-existing condition and so there you go. There you go. What do you, what do, you do? You could have really good health care. I don't think they could do that anymore, mind you. But that was, you know, when I had it, which was you know, right before the Obamacare stuff, yeah. um, you know, I was uh, working, uh, we had the Fangoria show at Sirius and I had really good coverage I was paying into um, and had a, a terrific doctor and everything was, was great. And then once that sort of, you know, they saw that it was going to be an ongoing MRIs and all this kind of stuff just to keep an eye on it, boom, gone, done. And now they've dropped you um, and who else is going to pick you up? Because now you've got this, this thing that you've got to always take care of. And, um, yeah, so, and I've got to go for, uh, you know, no surgery is perfect. I yeah. mean, nothing is, you know, magic. So there definitely were, uh, some roots to the tumor uh -huh. that they didn't get. And, you know, this isn't new or surprising. This, this stuff happens. And um, so because medication is so expensive, I haven't been on it consistently. Um, and so because it's like $400 to refill. Uh, because Why? And then we get into the, this is why Lloyd's movie is so genius, right? Get into the big pharma. Right. They had, um, oh, what's, that, what's the knockoff uh, pill called? A generic brand, right? Yeah. A generic form of the pill that was a fraction of the cost it was around for a little bit then boom the company got rid of it and i know that you know after a certain amount of time usually pills have to be available after their license or i don't know how that goes their copyright for the first couple of years they get all their money and then they have to be able to go uh generic but they took the the generic off the market and this is why and so for somebody who's you know, struggling with the, the prescriptions, all of a sudden you understand when you read about these people who say, I take half my dosage of what I'm supposed to because right. I'm trying to make the pills work. Because yeah. before that, you're just young and dumb and you're like, what are they doing, these crazy people, these crazy-ass people, what are they doing? But all of a sudden you get there and you're like, whoa, I, I totally get it. And so now I'm in a situation where um, I'm going to have some radiation. But the lucky thing is, I mean, I don't have a cancerous brain tumor. You know, it's just uh, an annoying-ass 
shitty brain tumor that's not cancerous, thank God. But it it can grow, and what happens is, and in my my particular place is, it starts pressing on the ocular nerve, and then uh-huh. you got to start worrying about your sight and all this kind of crap. Right. You know, all this crap. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, brings us up to today, which is finished uh, Lloyd's potentially, we'll call it, last movie, and i um, going to be doing my sophomore film in, I'm hoping, November, so I'm going to start uh, raising money very, very soon, which I'm excited about. Awesome, awesome fucking road movie. Um, I just, I can't wait to get going on it. Probably will be November, definitely before the end of the year. But November, but it could be December because it doesn't really get insanely cold till January. Uh-huh. So we could go just November, December. Going to raise the money by Indiegogo. Okay. And um, I'm sure you know very well, but in case the listeners um, don't know as well as you know, um, it's really hard when, say, you don't have the money and then yeah. you go to investors and stuff, which is what happened with Model Hunger. Uh-huh. And you know that an independent movie, is, it's, just, it's just not going to make its money back. Right. It's just not going to. Yeah. Like, it's not going to make the 50, 60. Model Hunger ended up being, it went way over. It was like 70, it was never going to make $70,000 back, yeah. an independent movie that, that, you know, didn't go through the cuts that people, you know, people meaning companies wanted. So yeah. it was too risque for iTunes and Amazon Prime. They don't like the ending. So it was too much. But, you know, the the writer and, and executive producer wanted me to have my cut, so that's what it was. And so, w- what's the suffering? I guess the suffering is just you know the various ways of making a few cents back were completely cut off at the knees. Right now, you know that said, so of course with the the road movie, if I could raise the money that I'll need, which won't be you know be way less than half of that. I'm, I'm really hoping that we can go for 30,000 and, um, we'll be able to totally make this super insanely cool road movie with a lot of crazy horror elements to it. Um, it really good stuff. And, you know, if we could do that, then we don't have to worry about or spend like five years of our precious life, which, yeah. you know, as we all know, is very precious because yeah. <laughs> yes. we don't know what tomorrow, right? Right. So if we could, if I could do that, then not only do we start at the the flat line, if you will, you know, at the sort of base without being way in the hole with that anxiety and you know all the the pressures of money, you could just use what hopefully people are kind enough that want to see you do another movie donate and you could raise and you use that money you make the movie the movie's never going to make any money for you anyway especially in this age of streaming so it's not like you're getting away with anything as the filmmaker it's just that so that you can create this piece of art so that's that's the goal gotcha and so where did you where did the i guess idea for the for this story come up did you write it did someone else write it did you collaborate with someone on an idea you had? Yes, um, kind of 
Well, the first one and the last one. I'll I'll take A and C for the win. Um, okay, so <laughs> I said to James Morgart, who wrote Model Hunger and executive produced Model Hunger, yeah. I said to him, you know, I, I really, really want to do, so thinking about doing something else and it just, it was, again, it was really epic. It was kind of epic. And, and I just felt like, wow, it's very daunting. It's going to take a lot of money to do properly, like a certain type of noir. You know what I mean? It was right. just really, it seemed like it was, um, you know, I, I needed to do something else first and just and see where that came. It wasn't time for that. And I said, you know what? I I just am so drawn to the the road movie idea, and every and there's a road movie genre within every genre. So in other words, there's a great road movie uh, genre of horror films. There's great road movies that are comedies. This is not that, but there, there's that. Uh, there's great uh, road movies that are rock and roll. Uh-huh. So I mean, like, there's so many different movies that I that I love that happen to be road movies, and and I've seen them be done for major dollars, like U-Turn, for example, with Sean Penn. I love that movie. Uh-huh. Um, or you know, something really down and dirty, um, like. Um, Oh, what was that one? A Roadkill by Bruce McDonald, um, a famous Canadian director. He's, he did Deadpool. and No, not Deadpool. Sorry, that's that famous uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds movie. I meant uh, Dead. It's about the radio station. Anyway, he's, uh, he's done some movies that have broken through in the U.S., but um, it's a great film. I mean, Joey Ramone's in it, and... You know, it's just these, these crazy antics of these insane people that you meet while you're trying to achieve your goal. So it was kind of like a combination of wanting to do something where, you know, given the, the money that you could bring people in for one or two days because they are the people that this person comes in contact with and then leaves. So if you were able to bring anybody in the area that you're shooting, uh-huh. you had the money to do that, right. then it would be pretty yeah. easy to have them in for a couple of days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they're done and they're gone. Um, and so it appealed to me in that sense, in the sense of uh, horror, because you could meet anybody and everybody, and they do, of course. And, and that's what why I'm so excited about it, because the people that they meet are fucked up. <laughs> and pretty fucked up. Um, which is great. I love it. And then also, it's like, it's, it's a theme like we all have it to different degrees. Like, you know, it's the whole, whether you're stuck in a town or you're stuck in a, in a home or, or a city or a situation, but we all kind of have that. We got to find that something that we're looking for that's going to make us happy. And will that person actually find it? And this is their, you know, journey in trying to in the the immediate future. So I kind of really like that, too, because of all the frustration with a lot of different things. It just feels like it's it's a really cool thing to express in a movie. Do you have the shoot? So I guess do you have your your basic idea of the shoot planned out? Are you looking at like a 10 day, 14 day kind of thing or? Well, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm really going to 
try to manage to do it in two weeks, which is a minuscule yeah. amount of time. Like, boy, oh boy, you can't, you really can't do much. But I, I really think that get the the real hardcore bones of it in the two weeks. And if there needs to be pickup shots beyond that, that's fine. Right. But this way, with such a small budget, we can lock down, um, you know, the personnel that we need for a short amount of time, and they'll be thrilled to be there because they want to do something fun and creative, but it won't impede upon, you know, quote, real jobs, meaning the money-making stuff, which is not art movies. Yeah. Um, and then also for... You know, any cast, it's also a, a smaller commitment uh, for ver- various people regarding that as well. So, yeah. you know, and then if you need a couple days here and there with the, the pickups, either b- even prior or latter, you know, that's that's totally fine. And, and that would be completely doable because my main camera guy and sound guy are amazing and they're very excited to do this. Um, because normally they get so much non-independent art stuff, meaning corporate, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, you know, this is just, they love this. They just, you know, this is like, you know, this is the gravy in their business. You get to do this stuff. So um, that's what I'm hoping anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. I lost my train of thought. I'm going to have to edit this part out. I'm not as polished of a radio. <laughs> I'm not as polished of a radio host as you were. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask. Never let the viewers see behind the curtain. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Don't look or at the, me. The I'm a monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> what uh, the so the the back circling back to the trauma movie uh, Shakespeare's shitstorm. What? How many movies does that make for you that you've been in now? Do you know? Uh, I guess it would depend on... Okay, here's the question that really answers your question. Or my... Sorry, my mathematics to your question. Do you count documentaries? Um, Let's just say narrative features for the time being. Okay. Because (laughs) I know. You like how we have to take out genres? Okay. (laughs) Without that, I... I, <laughs> because oh my god yeah because there's a lot of those um okay so no tv where you know you've appeared as yourself and no documentaries just narrative features correct so i would say think there's a there's a couple things and there always is on the imdb that's wrong yeah i would say it's it's probably 245 wow i'm not exact um, but I'm pretty sure that that's about right. Yeah, that's pretty fucking amazing. And I mean, def- I mean, you, I, I was just thinking about it earlier today, and I was like, dude, just my stuff alone, you've been in like four things at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I could just, you just, you you work so much, <laughs> which, and not not only not only you work so much, but everything is everything is different, and you. There, I mean, there are elements like I think up until placeholders, like you, we hadn't even really seen that sort of comedy stuff from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's never like a repeat yeah, before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so it's so varied. And, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, it's, it's fucking awesome. Like that's that's just an amazing resume to have. You know. Well, you know, and it's and 
I swear to God, one one day someone's gonna say, you know what? Ah, what the hell? I'm feeling generous. Give this woman a really sick paying job, like just out of this world. Let's do it. Yeah, I re- that was that was a joke, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I believe me. I got a great sense of humor about this stuff because you got to. But um, I, I appreciate that, especially coming off the heels of uh, shitstorm. We'll yeah. call it for yeah. short, um, because it was really interesting to me um, because I had done the last were extremely serious roles, right? And you know, kind of dark. And so, okay, everything I done just prior was very serious. Hadn't done anything in a couple years. So now I'm on the set with Lloyd, and it's it's not too big, but it's big. But it, he wanted it a little bit more based in in uh, uh, on two feet this time around, so to speak. Uh, so it wasn't just like being goofy, which I try never to be. I'm, I'm sure that I am sometimes because, you know, you can't, you can't direct yourself and sometimes you don't always get a director. Right. Uh, but it was, it was interesting to be sort of like, huh, I kind of don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I do, but I don't. Like, it was kind of that experience for me. So I was just giving it my all every day, but not entirely sure if it was jiving, like if it was coming off how I was, uh, how I was hoping. And, you know, part of that being, you know, uh, and I joked with Lloyd, I said, you know, we're sort of freaking fracking these scenes, but you've got all the good lines. <laughs> and he did, of course. Well, of course he would, you know what I mean? Yeah. His 300,000, but no, seriously, he, he was funny, even with, you know, a deadpan line. But, you know, I definitely add some flair to everything I had. But, yeah, it was an interesting, it was a very interesting experience because um, sometimes you walk away and you're like, yep, yep, you know what? Even if people don't agree with me, I felt like I nailed it. Yeah. Or you walk yeah. away, oh, my God, what? why did I mess that up so bad when I tried so hard? Um, but it was sort of like, this is different. So it's sort of like, well, I tried really hard, but I don't know. I don't know if it worked or not. Like just this question mark. So, I mean, you never know. You could be doing it for decades and you know, if you're phoning it in, you don't care. But if you're not phoning it in, I don't think you've ever gotten to the point where you just, I mean, yeah, you do just know sometimes, but, um, you know, you're always asking the question if, if you, I guess, if you care, right? Right, right. So, and I, I'm going to ask you to be a little egomaniacal for a second. If if you had to pick, like, I guess, your favorite work that you've done, or favorite performance specifically, like, even if maybe the movie's not that great or whatever, but you feel like you did a good job in it, like, what would you, what would be, you know, your top, your favorite or your top one or two? And you don't have to say anything that I did at all, please. <laughs> By any means. <laughs> well, of course it would be psychic experiment nice. and placeholders. I mean, you know, but no, no, no. I've been, by the way, I do love those because 
I love the fact that, that you guys, and when why well, I say you guys is, you know, because I include Chris's movie and that yeah. you guys absolutely have the vibe of the, the Hellraiser 80s thing, but for current day, I mean, you know, it's, I, I still look forward to Imago and I, it's probably going to change its name, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I guess I can, yeah, we'll reveal it on this podcast. This will be the exclusive. It's only fitting because it's your podcast or the one that you're on uh, since you're in the movie, but it's called. It's, it's a line that, that you say, I think, a couple people say it in the movie, but I think you say it at one point as the doctor. And it'll be, it'll be done. I think we're going to mix in, wow. in, in October. October, November, I think, is when we're going to see Greg. So it'll be done pretty soon. Um, but I, I have to, oh. say, I have to say that if I had to pick, if I had to pick my favorite Debbie shit, I would probably say, yeah, the, sh- the you as the Doctor, but every version, like both the straight stuff, and then when it gets a little weird, like I just love the, just the way you and Lisa play. That scene in the hallway actually is one of my favorite things to watch when we're in the hospital, quote unquote. Uh, you know, where you're, where you're counseling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just so it, it's the, per, it just right, right where it needs to be. You know what I mean? Like I've, I watch it over and over. And to be honest with you, like that is when I've gotten frustrated about that movie, because obviously it's been kind of a frustrating experience for a lot of reasons. Um, yes, that is, sure. I will watch that scene, which is towards the beginning of the movie. I'll watch, I'll watch that scene and it immediately reignites I'm like this. This is why I'm finishing this for this to get out there because wow, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, like it, it fires me up every time I see it because it's you guys just fucking knock it out of the park <coughs> with that stuff. And then later when it gets crazy, that, that's yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that is so incredible. You know, it's one of the the things. Um, and I don't have the movie, but I've seen it um, because you've you've shown it to me. Um, is the um, Scene where Melanie is, well, I don't want to give anything away, but she comes and she has that heart wrenching scene. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a standout for me too, and yeah, that's totally. now we're talking, you know, in ways that the listeners have no idea. But right, right, trust right. me, yeah, uh, when Mel's wife Melanie has has the scene, it's just okay. So. You're just gonna have to wait to see the movie. I won't go on and on about it, but it's it's it just gives me chills because it's so powerful and it's just something that you, you see on the news. Yeah. You may even know somebody has gone through it, yep. and it just it goes right through you. It's yeah. it's not like supernatural stuff you can't relate to. Exactly, exactly, and it's what just in general the stuff. What I find interesting about you know revisiting that movie, like you know, so many years later now is like it's it was relevant when we did it in a lot of ways and personal when we did it in a lot of ways but it's it's still that way but in totally different ways <laughs> because of this, the things that mm-hmm. have changed you know what i mean that's that's the amazing thing about art like that it's like it, it still hits me but it's instead of hitting me from like the northwest it's hitting me from the southeast now <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's still yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's crazy. But that's that's when you know you've done something that's really that's really good. Like it doesn't matter what struggles it it's gone through. It doesn't matter, you know, if it hits every single solitary mark. Yeah. I'm just talking about movies in general. Yeah. But they you know that they're good 
when they still affect you, even if it's a completely different way, but there's, there's still a, they still have an impact on you. It's not like you, what, I mean, the worst thing is, and I've said it many times, you see a movie five minutes after you've seen it. It's like dining fast food. You have forgotten it. That is, yeah. that is the worst uh, thing that could happen with a person's movie. Yeah. It's a, a movie that, that sticks with you or it's rewatchable. Rewatchable is big. Yeah, I agree. Um, that yeah. is what makes a good movie, I think. So I can't, personally, I can't wait to rewatch it. Yeah, I, so, can't, I can't wait to show and it to you. title. Yeah, yeah. I sent, yeah. You the, I sent you the new poster and everything already. Did, did, did I? I don't remember. No. Okay, I'll send no. it to you as soon as we hang. We gotta handle this business. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking up all over your own show. What the hell, man? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, 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 upstart film work stuff aside, what what would be your favorite thing that you've done or favorite performance that you can think of? Oh. G G G G G. Okay, so I just have to go with, um, you know, uh, you always feel bad. Yeah, because of course. So because many people that yeah, you totally. that you. Yeah. Oh, it's, and, it's like it's like a knife to the heart. But okay, just for myself, where it just clicked for me more than others. Not the only ones that have clicked, but the ones that clicked the most when I was working on them, uh-huh. I would say that that if I had to just do a top three off the top of my head, I would say Color from the Dark, American Nightmare, and Nowhere Man. Yeah, those I can back you up on all those. Those are if I had to pick that I was thinking of Color from the Dark earlier when you we were talking about doing like the serious stuff because that's I just love the way that movie's like subtle but creepy as fuck and the way it looks and it's I think it's one of the it's one yeah. of, it's one of my favorite in, like I guess Lovecraft things you know I think it like hits I think it gets there successfully uh, which is a lot of adaptations aren't able to do but that one I think really gets it mm-hmm. uh, yeah and American Nightmare I was going to mention too yeah, and you know, I was just going to say about, um, you know, and, and but, well, first of all, American Nightmare is pretty amazing because it's uh, John Key's first film, and it just had sometimes you just like hit everybody sort of hits a point, and everybody comes together, and they're at a right. certain point, and something kind of flares up, and and some kind of magic happens, and, yeah, and, it, yeah, totally. and it felt like that. Can't put your finger on it, you know, and, and even with the the, the sort of bumps in the road with the movie. It's it's just has a certain certain thing about it that you just that that's really cool and, and that's that's what I like. And as a matter of fact, John Keyes, I should mention, um, by the end of this year is uh, funding a limited release of the twentieth anniversary of Bullet. So awesome. we're just getting together like a whole bunch of extras. Can you believe twenty years? Yeah. Right. If anybody wants to send in, whether it's video, pictures, artwork, anything, if you like the movie and you wanted to do something or you have something or just photos of uh, your DVD and you smiling or something, 
just it's right on my website in the news section. It's just Jane Tolpin at HighlandMist.net. But it's right on DebbieRashawn.com yeah, if, I, if you don't want to remember that. And I, I saw everybody it on your website. can send something in and it'll be on there. Cool, cool. That's yeah, that's that's badass. I actually saw that listed on your website that he was doing that. And first I had the same reaction. I was like, fuck, it's been twenty years. And then and then second of all, I was like <laughs> Great, because I think that's one of the probably one of the first things I remember seeing you in. Like, I, I think I maybe had had seen some things before that, but that one really stuck. Like, I remember going out and finding it and and you know renting it and watching it. So that one definitely is a special one, has a special place. So I'll definitely have to. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it and made in Texas, right? Yes. Lone Star. Yep. Totally. So a little bit of representing for uh, Mel and Melanie in that regard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Texas made. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it, it is amazing, and you know what though? Besides, like, um, I love Terra Firmer and yep. Romeo and Juliet, but besides, like, a couple exceptions like that, nothing really started until I did. American Nightmare. Yeah. I mean, and I was hired for American Nightmare because John Key saw Hellbluff 13, which, gotcha. is, which is a far campier version of a serial killer, but that was what was needed yeah. for that particular uh, film, anthology film. But it's just how strange you just don't know what's going to inspire um, a filmmaker, you know, yeah, totally. Like, I just remember, I mean, what made me reach out to you was you were doing the Fango radio thing at the time, I think. And you guys were set up right across from where we were at in Chicago promoting Closet Space and just spinning. So we, mm -hmm. were, we were at the tables constantly and just spending all that time. Like, I knew who you were and I was like, man, she's really cool. You know, I like her vibe. And so I was like, let me remember that. And then when Psychic Experiment came around, I was like, yeah, get her, man. She's cool. <laughs> so you never. <laughs> That's you nev so nice. And, yeah, and so you never nice. know when, you know, so like more of the story is be cool. Don't be an asshole because you never know when someone is watching <laughs> or paying attention to, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, yeah. and then pretty immediately I was like, yeah, okay. She's, she, she fits right in. Like she's one of us, you know, like. You just got along famously, and that's why I keep trying to bring Very you back. Very much. <laughs> that's why I keep trying to bring you back for stuff. <laughs> oh, and that you know, and that is so appreciative too, because they, I mean, there are a couple few sort of family film groups that you feel like you belong to, but there's not a lot. No, strangely, no. yeah. So you guys, I mean, you know, there, there's I can name a couple slash few, but it's not like the list goes on and on. Right. Um, you know, there's some people that even if you've done a few things with them, it's sort of run its course and, you know, there's no, there's no kind of, uh, there's no connection or feeling there. It was just business and that's cool. Yeah. And that's great. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's more than that. Like you really care about right. the people and um, I care about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I same, same here. That's why, guys. that's why I was, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was like, God damn it. You know, we need to, we, I need to get Debbie on here. And really it was just, 
initially when I started doing the podcast, I, I really liked like being in the same room with the person because like that's why I waited to do Lisa until I was out in LA because I just I just like that vibe better. But then, you know, it's it's like the the I think what we have sort of carries through that. Like we don't have to be looking at one another. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with certain people, I think, yeah. I think it doesn't, it doesn't really translate well, you know, like when you're talking on the phone or whatever, but, uh, just even, I feel like, like I feel the same energy with you when we're talking online, like sending messages back and forth <laughs> that I, that I get yes. when we're talking. So I'm like, well, if that translates, you know what I mean? <laughs> like the experience translates, yeah, then, yeah. then we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll be just fine. But yeah, I you know like what you were saying. Yeah, what you're, it's true. What you're saying about being family stuff. I didn't really. We were joking about this earlier before I started recording, but we talked about uh, me working for the Italians when you were here for Klinger. Like that's what we were. That was our, yes. That was our code because that I didn't want anybody. No one actually. Not only did I not want anybody to know, but no one knew that I was working at the pizza place at that time. The only people that knew were you. Melanie and Chris. That was it. <laughs> so wow. So so you you were definitely in the inner circle, and Melanie couldn't believe. You know, <laughs> at first she's she was like she was like Debbie knows. I was like, yeah, Debbie knows. Like she understands. You know, like there are a lot of people that yes. if, if they knew yes. that I was delivering pizza, like I'm leaving a movie set that I'm a movie that I'm producing that eventually ended up at a big festival. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that I'm leaving this set to go deliver pizzas to people. They would not people, uh -huh. people can't understand it now. They come, you know, they'll they'll see me and wonder why I'm not rich. If I like they're like, I can go rent your movie, but you're not loaded and have a you know, like four Cadillacs or whatever. I'm like, no, dude, that's not <sighs> how it works. People just get it so twisted. And then what sucks is that the creative people get it twisted. Like if they if they realize some some people, some people, not all, but if they realize that you do still have to have a foot in quote unquote normal life to make it work. Like for some reason that discounts, yeah. that discounts you to them. Like I've lost jobs because of stuff like that, you know, jobs that I could have, yeah. you know, that, that I was in the running for and they liked everything. They liked everything about me and we were a great fit until they found out that, you know, it's something when I'm here, you know, I'm working a, a regular job or whatever for a little bit until I can go do, the movie stuff, you know, it's crazy. So, well, you know, the, you know, the irony too, to that is that, um, for you to be an actual real human being that, that is like a good husband and father and a good, you know, just human with good work ethic that's held against you. Yeah. Uh, how could totally. you possibly, are the people so incredibly stupid, but the answer is yes, they are. Yeah. They don't want to think about, um, well, what the hell is wrong with you, Mel? Why aren't you just making movies? And Debbie, why are you so fucked up that you're just not buying the pills with your millions? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. it, it's so it's so stupid. But what people do have to understand, and, and, and it's surprising more so when you talk about like people in the business that are saying these or making these judgment calls. That that's way out of control yeah, as far as I'm crazy. concerned. They know better. They know way better. Because you know what? They know what they're paying. So they yeah. should know better. But totally. you know, it's 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 you know, yeah, this 
that's the life of um, an independent film person, yep. regardless of what part of the, the film you're in, whether you're doing sound or your director, your actor, it's um, you basically just go from job to job, just like a, a quote regular job. And if you don't have a job, that means you don't have money for that month, just like a, a quote regular job. Right. So that's, um, it's tough. It's tough. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear that from industry people saying that to you, but why should that surprise me? I don't know. People, (laughs) people like to think that they're hiring major stars, but you know, the thing is, are they paying like they would a major star? I mean, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely, uh, Chris and I definitely have some horror stories for you. The next time we're all together, <laughs> like along those lines, it's just, it's, it's, it's so wacky and you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And I'm sure you have something to share with us too. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. I do. Oh, I just, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do. <laughs> I've got a whale of a tail yeah. and I'm not talking about just storm. Oh, I got yeah. another whale of a tail I cannot that wait. I will be telling you. ASAP. Fantastic. Yes, indeed. And the listeners are now like, fuck you. What are you <laughs> say it now or don't say you're going to say it later. Um, <laughs> that, the, uh, the story will be recorded. It will be recorded and held back for your, uh, your, uh, the people that give at a certain level for your next movie. That's what you should do. <laughs> You'll have like the, sh- the shit talking yes. donation level. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's genius! I really, really, really need to do that, and it's all going to be true. Yeah. Oh my God, I, if I saw that, I would laugh my ass totally. off. Totally, and I would, I, I would give that. money so fast. <laughs> we, we would like sound sound design it like masterpiece theater, you know, like you in a big puppy yeah. chair reading, reading from a giant book, you know. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, and we'll. <laughs> We'll do like, and we name names, <laughs> you know. Well, the, the names are extra. That's name, the next name. level. <laughs> yeah, that's the, right. That's the next level. If you give $10,000, you will get the names, addresses, phone numbers, and all information that you want about the people we will be talking about yeah. and talking shit about. <laughs> Little do they know it's like Joe Smith next door or something like that. But um, no, no, no. We don't have we don't have to go next door. There's 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 plenty to talk about. Oh boy, is there a lot to talk about? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I uh, gotta I gotta hurry up and finish this interview because I gotta tell you some shit, man. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so fucking ready right now. <laughs> no, 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 that's the teaser for the the, the Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. Okay, now head on over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not up yet, but let me tell you, in a couple of days it gets up. <laughs> nice. Okay, so all it's gonna say is Debian Debian milk convo. You in brackets. You know what we mean, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's always. I mean, just so, just based on the reaction, because you know, placeholders was obviously like uh, parts of it were thinly veiled things like that, you know, and it was funny. To, oh yeah, to watch people lose it. Uh, <laughs> And then, like the stuff eventually be proven true, like years later. 
But just and like we didn't even yeah, name, yeah. we didn't even name names like but what I, what's funny is like I would have people try to guess who people were you know so just just based on the reaction of that and and like how many view more views that would get us <laughs> like I like this is a <laughs> this is a money maker right here dude it's a money maker um, seriously there's really there's a lot to be said for that I mean how bad do you want to know that's you know that's not bad yeah yeah. And you know, what's weird is I've noticed that like, you know, at the time we heightened the Aaron Pulaski cult stuff just for like comedic value, but how that's proven so true in so many different ways, <laughs> you know, like as, yes. as, the time, oh my God. as the time has passed and then like the white supremacist character, the I'm Russian? like, well, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Oh my God. Can I predict the future? Do you understand? <laughs> the Russians, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! Like you have no idea. It was like a, a crystal ball into the future. Yeah, it really, it was like pretty crazy. Yeah, the Russian—they were there. They, I'm not they were there. They were. You haven't seen placeholder. Is there a place people can see placeholders still? It's on. It's still on Roku. We actually have our own channel uh, on Roku. We have our own oh. channel on Film On. Yeah, it's been up for a while. Um, they're just kind of running, and then. It it runs sporadically on different. I'll have to put up like an updated list because I kind of stopped <laughs> stopped checking for a while because I I got frustrated about other things. But um, uh, yeah, th- it's still available, still pretty easily available. Um, so yeah, I'll uh, on I'll, Roku. Roku, yeah, it's uh it's on. There's a placeholders okay. channel and there's a channel called the Twenty Four Hour Film Channel that shows full length feature movies and then like interspersed in there are episodes of placeholders as well. So, oh, okay, okay. Well, this is interesting because they just had that new channel on Roku, um, Terror TV. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, just, I know the guy that. Oh, you want to hear a funny story before? Before I'm sure you have to go, but I really want to get this in there because it's very, very funny. Yeah, yeah. No, we okay, got. The go guy ahead. We got time. Yeah. Who, but the guy who. Put, who has put together Terror TV. Um, his name is Attila, and I can never pronounce his last name, but he, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. I've known him since 1999. Okay. What he did was he came, came on a radio show that I was doing with uh, Tim Reed at the time for a place called Iyada. Iata Radio. It was the first, well, it was actually the second after Pseudo Radio that I also worked for. It was the first, like, high-level internet radio station that was, like, proper, like, radio shows. Like, it wasn't podcast, and there's nothing wrong with podcasts. I'm just saying, like, the money they put into it, right? Exactly. Um, And it was way too early, and they couldn't get the advertisers, and it only lasted two years. But, we had this show, like, right at the beginning when, when it was uh, really new. We had the show every Saturday night. It was a film show. So on Halloween, um, uh, Attila came on, 1999, on Halloween. And he did, like, the oldest shtick in the book. It was freaking great, man. He came on. He said that he was a direct descendant of Attila the Hun, which was not true. <laughs> but 
Nobody <laughs> knew it on, on the radio, right? That was listening. Right. So we had him on, and we were doing <laughs> <laughs> I wish thing that it was filmed. I've never seen anything so funny in my whole life. We were doing this seance to try to bring his apparent um, great, 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 you know, grandfather, whatever, <laughs> Attila the Hun, because his name is Attila, into the room. So we're doing this seance, and he's like, kicking the table oh my god you hear it is coming i mean it was straight out of you know ed wood or whomever that would be you know it was so funny because everything was he was he would like take his fist he'd slam on the table and he'd go did you hear that <laughs> i mean it was just like you were like oh my god like you're really reacting but you were reacting to the insanity you were witnessing, not because somebody was you know a ghost was entering the room and it was just, it was hilarious. It was great fun, and it was it was covered by so many outlets at the time that there was this big séance that went on <laughs> and happened. And I still laugh about it to this day because it was the biggest fake out. Um, you know, just good old fashioned Halloween fun, mind you. But right. holy cow, that was funny shit but anyway this is the guy who's putting out terror tv channel on roku nice. and i just got the biggest kick out of it um so yeah so i've definitely heard of roku i don't i don't have it but apparently i need to get it because if i want to watch placeholders or anything else i gotta i gotta get roku yeah for sure um and i need to i'll just i can also send you like a blu-ray of all the episodes too I, I do that. That's oh, that'd another, be awesome. That's yeah. another thing where I'm like, uh, I would love to do more, you know, comedy stuff with Debbie, but I, I don't know if it was just like purging all that stuff or just, I just, I just haven't been feeling it, you know, like that kind of writing lately. I don't know why I've yeah. tr I tried, I tried to do like to not only season two, but to like finish out what we had started with the big musical thing and everything. But yeah, I just, stuff happened. I just wasn't feeling it, you know? So we'll have to, well, you know, the truth is if you're not feeling it, then that is the sign to not do it. Right. Right. I mean, really it is. If you're, if you're not, it's not like you're in the middle of it and you have, you know, you should see it through. That's a different story, but creatively speaking, I mean, you should always be doing, um, if you're starting something new, something that, is you know a reflection some kind of a reflection of where you're at right you know or right. or something that you can get behind and, and you, it's cathartic in some way yeah otherwise it's going to be you know you're going to push through it's going to be like a job exactly exactly one so, that I'm, one that I'm not, everything one that in I'm its not right time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh boy. So you mentioned the uh you mentioned doing radio. I wanted I did want to ask you this like uh you know so I guess Fangoria is trying to restart and they're it's Texas based. They're in Dallas, I think. Did have they has that new right. has the new version of the company reached out to you at all to like contribute or maybe do another radio or show or podcast or anything like that? Um, no, they haven't. And, you know, one thing that I find is very funny. I'm very relieved. I have to be perfectly honest. I'm extremely 
happy and grateful to them that Tony Simpone has a column and I believe Michael Gingold has a column. Yeah. And I don't know anybody else. Maybe Rebecca McKendry is something in there. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure because I don't know. Um, and so that to me is the most important because yeah, these guys totally. have given their lives yeah. to their the magazine. And it's not as though I didn't dedicate, you know, a, a decade, but many people have, I mean, you know, it's, it's, Sure, I would love to, but it really it meant an awful lot to me that they got columns yeah. in in the magazine, and I hope that's completely permanent and they deserve it, and that should be a given. But the funny story is, um, I, I got contacted by um, uh, one of the ladies over there that does uh, something to do with their content it could be just social media but also their um streaming some sort of streaming content and she wanted uh this is back before all the stuff happened with james gunn and slither was having some sort of an anniversary so seeing i did a documentary on on slither so uh-huh. they're for the making of she contacted me and she wanted to know if i had like the footage because obviously it was uh, financed by Fangoria. Um, you know, I wrote it, uh, someone else edited it, but I was on one of the cameras, wrote it, did, you know, did a lot of the, directed everything, but didn't edit it, of course. The footage itself does belong to Fangoria. And so I said, you know, I really had no idea where the footage was because I guess they're going to cut together their, maybe their own. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I said, I said, um, you know, if you guys don't have it, then, you know, really good luck trying to find it because, you know, there was a lot of different storage lockers that a lot of stuff went into and out of. And, you know, a couple different companies, you know, within the company coming and going. So I said, if you guys don't have it, then I can really assure you that it's long gone. Yeah. Like gone, gone the, in the in the wastebasket. So I said, you know, I have it on my YouTube page, and you could certainly, you know, uh, send the link to that out. But I've I've got nothing for you. But I, I was very funny because when I first um, saw the email, I was like, "Hey, the old group's getting back together, you know, like a band." Uh-huh. It was just like, "Have you got the raw footage for?" <laughs> 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 so I did. I did get a laugh out of it. Yeah, I totally get it, but it is funny. It is funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I don't know the plans. I don't know if some of them um, are going to do a podcast. I would imagine probably there would be a lot of people really wanting to. Um, so I have no clue what they're doing. I know that I'm on top of everything else. I'm uh, writing my book, and I'm doing a chapter for. Um, a book on horror that's uh, that chapter's due in just a couple of weeks now. Uh, so I mean, I'm doing a lot of writing, um, and it's not as though I don't get to. So just because it hasn't all been in in magazines recently, uh-huh. um, I have been doing a lot of it. 
So, yeah, I guess bottom bottom line is I really don't know. And the thing that I found interesting is it was the company, I think it's based in Arizona, I want to say, that did uh, the company that did that really cool movie. Um, Tom, was it Tomahawk? Bone, Bone Tomahawk, yeah. Bone Tomahawk, which yeah. I really liked a lot. And, I, and Kurt Russell, of course, yeah. you never go wrong with him in my book. Um, so I thought it was a very cool and unique movie. And then that same company buys Fangoria, and I think, oh, well, that's cool. And maybe they'll continue being unique and original and do something really cool with it. Better, better than it dying yeah. and just having no funeral Agreed. and nobody know what the hell's going on. And it's not officially closed, but it's not open and all that. Nobody likes that, that vagueness. I mean, yeah. it's, that's crap, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that it, it's getting a, another chance. Yeah, me too. Me too. So it's, it's crazy how you can anticipate my segues before I even say them because you keep doing it. <laughs> but it's probably because you've been doing this for so long. Um, uh, but I was, the next thing I was going to ask you about was your book. Cause I know you've been working on it for a little bit. Um, how is, I guess, how is it coming along? Like, is there, I guess, an end in sight? Do well, you, is there that, well, I'm really thinking it's funny because everything sort of is, ends up being the answer is the, the end of this year. But you know what I found very cathartic? Um, the fact that all these other people that, you know, I've either read their book or I've heard them talk about them writing their book. And it, it's not just me that has these periods of being so resistant. Yeah. Not even stuck because you have the words and you want to express them. But the resistance is just insane because you have to recall in, in finite detail right, right. some of the most horrifying things that you've basically done everything in your power your whole life to avoid thinking about. So it's a whole head trip. Yeah. And you know, this is the, so yeah, it's a a mind fuck. So the, the core of it really is just, um, I've just really taken on like the street life part of it. Um, and that's just, that's the, the true guts of the, of the, of the book. Yeah. And, um, just like having to shake off some of these, these characters. And when I say characters, I mean the actual people in real life. I mean, they're both characters and real people. And I give nobody the, um, satisfaction nor, um, you know, give away anybody who may be, um, of various age groups. Uh, I don't use names. I, you don't need to use names. It's yeah. situations yeah. Right. that right. are, you know, the, the powerful stuff, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Joe or John or another J name. It, it doesn't, it makes no difference. If it's Attila, the guy from the, you know, <laughs> the, the seance. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but even if it's him, it doesn't matter. It's just a seance, okay? <laughs> right. But yeah, so that's, that's been the thing. I mean, and there was a lot of false starts for me with the, the books. It's sort of like, 
Oh, sorry. Keep going. I that I was the room that was in there is uh, just finishing up. So I'll probably put you on hold again here in a second. Oh, okay. But no, you've got to keep keep going for right now. We've got a couple minutes. But yeah, just to, yeah, just to finish. Um, the, the um, yeah, there was a lot of false starts with it, and um, that was I think that was just again part of the process. It wasn't any, you know, mistakes per se. I mean, it's not like a, a Stephen King situation where you're just, oh, just right. Um, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But when it's about, you know, he, if you were to ask him to write strictly and not put in, um, you know, uh, story versions, hurts in his life or, you know, times that he'd been raped in his life or whatever the hell is yeah. happening... You know, but it was in the the I format, you know, I, you know, as opposed to this character, uh, which is that safety zone. Um, You know, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's all been part of the process. And it's just taken, things happen when they're supposed to anyway. Right. And, um, you know, I I think it kind of empowers me the time that we live in right now because, you know, everything is, overly pc and everything was there wasn't a single thing that was pc back then in the 70s right and you know so i mean i think just the reality of what may upset people and i'm not talking about horrible things murder rape or you know all these things but the the silly things that we talk about, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, p- to get a little bit of a reality check, it's kind of empowered me to like really okay. You have no fucking clue because this is some shit that many people have gone through, but yeah. including me. And this is my story, so it's strangely a good time for that too. So do you do you have a place? Do you already have figured out where the you know what's going to happen with the book? Like. When you were talking about a second ago, you mentioned that you had a chapter due. So is like someone sort of, is there a publisher already expecting it that's ready to put it out or what's going on with that? Oh, yeah. For the chapter that is due, that's for another book. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. But ironically, yeah, ironically, my chapter in this, this other book that is, you know, has various chapters written by women for in uh, regarding the horror genre. Uh-huh. Um, ironically, one of the pitches that I gave for my chapter was just sort of like simplifying and streamlining how my uh, youth has given me so much um, ammunition, if you will, uh, to be in the horror genre. So it's like really <laughs> very similar type of stuff i mean without it being you know all of the the nitty-gritty details it really is a similar a similar thing so it's a good it's just it's obviously something that just has to be told because it keeps showing up and whenever those things happen in your life you know that they need to be said or done or you know experienced or whatever because certain times in your life things will just keep at you you know those those similar things and you know okay i this is what i got to do because it's just not going away right it's I, like freddy no, <laughs> it absolutely he's just not is. going away no no he's no. wait he's gonna make me sleep and that's it so yeah yeah and then you know i've found that sometimes when you 
finally face that thing, much like Freddy, it, in a lot of cases, it ends up, a lot of it ends up being in your own head anyway. You know what I mean? Like maybe it wasn't that. Totally. Like, so it's almost best to face it head on. I was actually, I was just thinking about how I had, I had this crazy stress having to do with Adrienne King um, because I felt like, you know, Psychic Experiment was like the first thing she did, you know, after coming out of retirement. And right. I, I felt like I failed her in some regard, like that in that I made a mediocre movie that nothing really happened with, you know, and true or not, like that's what was in my head, you know, and it's, you know, you're your own worst critic and I'm very hard on myself about it and stuff. And I would have done this differently and whatever. Yeah. So I had, I had gotten in my head that I had failed her. I'd failed all you guys on some level and I put this thing out there that, you know, no one was proud of. And so I just had this weird anxiety where I couldn't like, interact with her online or like if she was going to be at a show, I would worry about it. And I'm like, what's going to happen? You know, she's, but then when I finally faced her, not faced her, like she was at a Texas Frightmare weekend that I actually didn't know I was going to until Lisa was here and she talked me into going because it was that same weekend. She was here for something else. And, um, and so we drove up and I didn't realize Adriana was going to be there because if I had, I might've not gone just because of like, that kind of shit was fucking my head up so bad. Um, but, mm-hmm. then, but then I went and immediately, like as soon as she saw me, it's like she was running over people to come hug me and she was tripping. You know, we had a great time. So it was all, it was all in my, it was all shit I made up, you know, in my head. Like, yeah, it, but I just got, everything is so loaded and poisoned and, or, you know, with things that you think are real, but not. And it's, it's like, had I just, Maybe if I had just sort of talked to her about it, like I wouldn't have spent, you know, it was probably a good couple of years where it was like wrecking me in a good, you know, in a weird way. So I, I find that like, yeah, yeah, getting that stuff out. That's one reason why we started doing the podcast, honestly, because I just wanted to like get the stuff out of me, like into the real world. And sometimes like listening back to it, some of the earlier ones, especially I'm like, well, why did I think that that was stupid? You know what I mean? Like that, that was a stupid way to sort of mm-hmm. Sort of thing. So um, I find I definitely can relate to like being hesitant to 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 deal with some of that shit, but then getting out, getting getting it out of me sometimes, sometimes helps so much, and I feel so much better about it, you know. And a lot, and then yeah, like the the Freddie the Freddie metaphor, like sometimes you know facing it, you realize it has no real strength, kind of that kind of thing. Well, I think that's 90% of it. And then I think, or maybe more than 90% of it. And then I think, well, you know, that while that may be true and that's all that matters, it's not as though you're, you're guaranteed to not face a bunch of judgment. Right. But you know what? You can't control that part of it. Yeah. And that part, who cares? Because it's just that. It's somebody else's stuff that they're reacting to through their veil of crap just because right. you put, you know, faced your crap and put it out there. There'll be more people that relate to it and that either you either help or inspire, or maybe they just are glad that somebody else feels that way or went through that too. But uh, anybody else who has anything else to say about it or uses it against you um, for any reason whatsoever, that's, that's like so 
number one, it goes back to the shitstorm scene. It's like so today, and hopefully that will pass soon. Or or B, it, it's like that's their problem. That's their shitstorm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is their shitstorm. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that you know they can't deal with um, with some truths and some that some people actually have lived differently than they have yeah. or been through different things than they have. But yeah, I mean the the Adrian King story is is a perfect example of of exactly why to learn from that. You didn't do anything wrong. You did what all of us do. But then looking back, you're like, "Wow. I mean, I could have felt better without the 2 years of torture." Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> Get those 2 years back. Yeah. I swear. I mean, <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's very true. And then, you know, and it's, and it's an interesting process. Boy, we could talk all night about this one. But, you know, it's like you could be super, super honest about experiences. But then you have to also be careful that, say, you're writing. Like in my experience of writing about, you know, being on set, there's been nothing but absolute pure, honest to God, hands down, truth. Yeah. However, then you what's the backlash of that? Yeah. Well, if you just say the way it really is, which which is rarely pretty. Right. I mean, there's a lot of really, yeah. like I said, there's, a, there's some family situations out there and there's some really nice uh, working situations out there. There's a lot of weird stuff. And so you write about the weird stuff that's more fun to read about and that's true but then again that may not get you work right so there's there there's oh so many different ways to look at it so the thing about the book though is it's it's not about that you know it's not about um it's like so dense with really insane fucked up stories from the street that it's literally just that chapter that is a book of my life because it is so, it's so done, like it's so ready, like full. It's it's a book in itself. The next part is the second book, um, and I and I think that a really super amazing, insanely cool person could do a pretty damn good movie with it. Um, someone far more skilled than myself, because it would be, it would just need so you know such a a really you know some weird combination of taxi driver the shining and road <laughs> warrior i don't know making nice. it up a little <laughs> bit of uh warriors in there <laughs> of course but you know de- definitely definitely 70s you know yeah. um vibe but but yeah so yeah, I totally know what you you're saying, and and um, it's it's great. The truth will set us free, Mel. Yeah, it absolutely will. That's what will. we have to say. <laughs> it absolutely will. Just this, <laughs> just this, just this time that I've virtually spent with you has set me a little bit freer. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, right on. That's great. Every time, and uh, you you guys continually inspire me yeah every time i really get too far down the rabbit hole or in my head about some bullshit which doesn't happen that much lately 
as much lately as it had in the last you know few years. But Melanie would always be like, "Just talk to Debbie. Just call Debbie. <laughs> like she's <laughs> she just knows that <laughs> you know, like it's just, and seriously, you should. And I, like I said uh, before in a different conversation, I will you. Uh, but also, you can always get out the special letter. That oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe in the Indiegogo campaign, <laughs> we can, you know, release that. Also, we can auction at an off the artifact. Echelon level. <laughs> right. Okay. So the listeners know, crazy letter sent to Fangoria. Won't tell you the details because maybe it's going to end up in the Indiegogo campaign. I don't know. Right, right. But you won't believe this. You couldn't make this up if you tried. Yeah. And it was from a very serious person who, you know, does not have both feet on the ground. We'll put it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely going to have to be for the top tier backers. But backer. (laughs) 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 Yes. Like if one person just wants the whole fucking thing you know what i mean okay you get the letter you get the stories you get the you know what i mean right you get the calendar you get everything (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome i'm telling you it's worth it do it Funny man, <laughs> and don't put it past me to do that either. <laughs> and they won't regret it. That's the funniest part of all. No, not at all. They'll be like us 10, 10 20 years later, still quoting this letter from oh, a yeah. crazy person. It's the to it's, Vangoria. It's the gift that keeps on giving. That and the uh, yeah, oh yeah. Recently, I couldn't remember exactly, that, but remember when we were we would consistently talk about going off into the woods. I don't remember what that came from, but like the boots. Do you oh, do you remember this reference? Yeah, I don't even remember where it started, but it was was it wasn't it because he um well he was on a motorcycle in Connecticut. Oh, and he was run yes. off the road by yes. bikers, a that's wild it. gang that's of bikers. That's this it. is in the letter, folks. This right, is in the letter. right, right. <laughs> yeah. But then in the, the hospital, Cooper uh, came in and, and nursed him out of his coma. Right. That's right. Yeah. I couldn't re- <laughs> Which is ironic because he was just trying to kill him just, you know, not long before. But Right. Well, Stanley Kubrick is a, a complicated world. individual, you know, like. Yeah. There's no knowing the mind of he doesn't, want him to, he doesn't want him to die randomly. He no. wants him to die at his hand. Right. So it's got you know, it wasn't his time. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> as we know from his movies, he's got a very meticulous plan as to when and where you will die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's no like um what's that? Fluke. There's no, you know, there's nothing random. It's all it's all intended. It's all detailed and intended, as we know. So yeah, okay. Look forward to the. That's a really good place to end it, right? I think so. Look forward I think so. to the the Indiegogo campaign, which will have the most, or at least one of the most unique uh, bonuses that you could possibly see, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely, That's vague, isn't it? Yeah, very, but it's like, <laughs> very vague, but it will leave them wanting more, I think. 
<laughs> Trust me, folks. She's not. It's not hyperbole. It's a. It's. It's great. It's fantastic. So. <laughs> <laughs> so just to reiterate, your your people should be looking for that campaign like towards the end of this year. That's what you're shooting for. Um, no, I'm actually going to be starting. No, you're killing me over here. I'm starting it this weekend. <laughs> what? Really? I didn't know that. I'm so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so out of the loop. Oh no, no, no. It's totally fine. No, because they want to shoot in November. Okay, okay. So, sorry, I'm, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah. So it's launching. No, this, that's okay. It's launching this weekend, and so what's the let me make? So what's the easiest way that people can sort of find it? Should they just search for your name on the site, or do you have? Uh, um, well, they could just go either to my site, like debbyrashon.com, or they can go to the Facebook. Or um, like any of the social media sites that they frequent, um, and it'll be right there. And it'll be right there. Um, I'll okay. put it up um, on all of the above. Okay. So great, and I'll I don't make think sure. you can miss it. You won't be able to miss it. Yeah, that's great because I, I was going to put this up Monday, this podcast up Monday. So I will make sure to put the link in the description of the podcast and get it out that way too. And, um, yeah, that's perfect timing. So I'm glad that even though I was unaware that it will all work out. <laughs> <laughs> See, like I said, Mel, everything has its time. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and like everything, everything happens when it's supposed to. And like what a Adrian King would say, no wine before it's time. I know Orson Welles is credited with that, but actually Adrian King with her winery is the one who says that now. Yep. I'm glad you brought that up. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to go back, go, if people want to go back and check out your previous directorial effort, model hunger, what's the best place for them to find that? Well, buy it off of uh, Amazon. Amazon, that's okay. That's the least expensive. Okay. Yeah, least expensive way. If you buy it from my site, um, I include mailing and signing it and all that. So if you want that, please do. Debbie Rashawn at, at my store. But if you want a copy um, that is probably less expensive by about ten dollars, like if you don't, if you like signatures or come to my Site. And if you don't care about them and you just want to see the movie, just go to Amazon and save $10 there. So okay. uh, pretty much those, those are the only places because it's so explicit. Warning, warning, warning. I literally had people tell me that it was too triggering for them to play it at their festival. And that was, you know, not far from where I am right now. They shall remain nameless. Why plug them? Because... They were too triggered to show Model Hunger, my my firstborn. So fuck them. <laughs> right? Yes. Fuck absolutely them. fuck them. <laughs> my firstborn, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen it, just, you know, get some popcorn and sit down, enjoy, and, and when you get to the end scene, you know, let me know how you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have seen it. I've seen it multiple times, and uh, Lynn Lowry's fucking great in it. Like she, she kills. Yeah, it. Kill, yeah. It's it's quite enjoyable. I'm very proud of what you did there 
with with the movie. Um, I really, you know, I really did enjoy oh. watching her do her do. I don't want to give too much away, but I don't. I really did enjoy watching yeah. her do her thing. You know, like she was. She's yeah. fucking killed that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and her thing is something else. So this is this show could be called. The vague recollection <laughs> yeah. of remember that Debbie time. And Mel. <laughs> yeah, remember that time with that thing? Oh yeah, yeah, Don't it was say great. Anything, yeah, yeah, totally. But just re- <laughs> and, and the, 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 that's the theme tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and the last thing. Uh, so just to circle back to shitstorm. Uh, any does, any idea of when that'll be done and out? Any plans? Re- any vague plans <laughs> for that one? Well, you know, it's interesting because Lloyd usually takes anywhere from two to four years to get a movie out. Uh-huh. Um, I think this one is going to be a lot faster. And the reason I say that is because this is the first time he's actually had an on-set editor doing a rough right. cut. Right, yeah, that makes all the so difference in the world. So, he's, yeah, so I think this really is being pushed along uh, a megaton faster than the other movies, which he's just let uh, have their own process and not rush them. It was his own money. Yeah. Um, so yeah. with this one, I think they he wants to be traveling with it next year. So um, if, if indeed that happens, then it's amazing. And as early as next year, you'll be able to see it somewhere. And then traditionally... It's uh, the year after that that it gets out on Blu-ray or DVD and VOD and all that stuff. So maybe as soon as the end of 2019 as far as owning it. But I'm really thinking next summer people are going to be able to see it at festivals and screenings around the country. Awesome. I can't wait. Um and I, and I can't, I can't wait to get back on. I can't wait to get back on set with you somehow, some way, maybe on your thing. I will fly. Yep, my, I will happen. fly myself up there just to just to help. Yeah, out, honestly, because I think Hell I think it'd yeah. be a blast, okay. and I really, you know, I really want to see you making more stuff. I mean, just anything you're involved with, I'm down with. So, um, yeah, awesome. So, that means a lot, man. Seriously, it really does. Because when when things get uh, things get rough, man, it's just nice to to know and really know. I mean, it's nice to hear it, but it's nice to know because you know it's true yeah. that someone as cool and talented as you would actually be there. And you know, you you've had it rough yourself. You know how much that means. It means everything. Yeah, totally. It absolutely does. Yeah. So I. It really does. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you. I'm very thankful for you. Thank you for being on the show finally. This is going to be a great one. I can't <laughs> wait to get it up. Um, yeah, so everybody, make sure, you, make sure you check out all of Debbie's stuff. Go to her website. Check out the Indiegogo campaign, which by the time this is posted will be live. Uh, make sure you go check it out and help out in any way you can. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. All right, guys, like I said, uh, I really enjoyed that talk with Debbie. I think that sort of comes through on the podcast. Uh, I cannot wait to work with her again, and I'm hoping to do so on her new film, the uh, Indiegogo uh, 
of which should be up by the time this goes live. So definitely check it out. I'm going to have a link in the description of the podcast. Um, definitely go check out Model Hunger, which is her directorial debut, and it's fairly easily available. Like she said, uh, go get it, get it on Amazon. Uh, if you want to check out some other stuff we've done together, uh, she was in Placeholders, which is my comedy series that you can find on Roku. You can find it on Filmon. Uh, you can watch some of them on Amazon Prime, I think. I need to go check. I should have checked before I recorded this. But, uh, yeah, just it's uh, they're available fairly easily. Um, you can also go and find uh, Klinger, which she was in. That was directed by Michael Steves, and I produced that. Uh, Lisa Wilcox is also in that one. Psychic Experiment, which was my last feature film, uh, that's available fairly easily. Um, and uh, our new movie that Chris Warren directed, the title of which I bleeped out, formerly called Imago, uh, will be out hopefully soon. We are in the final leg of the race on that one, I think. <laughs> I can't wait to do a podcast sort of detailing all that stuff. Um, not bad. It just, just, it's just interesting. Obviously we took several, you know, like this, uh, post-production process has been almost a decade long, so it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting talk, but anyway, go check that stuff out. Go check her stuff out. Her website once again is debbie and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. you just heard is part of the B&E Network. Brought to you by bmovies and ebooks.com.